Our text this evening will be taken from Matthew, Matthew chapter 24, uh, verses 1 through 3. Matthew 24, 1 through 3. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And the disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the signs of the coming and of the end of the world? You know, this is a question that has been asked for many, many years. When will the Lord return? Jesus here is speaking about the future. He's speaking about different signs and things that will happen or that we will see that will happen that will tell us or warn us that Jesus is coming soon. Here in Matthew first chapter 24 and 25, we see that Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives. This is the uh, Olive Discourse. And this is instructions or things that will come when Jesus will return. This happened on a Tuesday, an afternoon. And this is the same week that Jesus was going to be crucified. At that point in there in Jerusalem, there would have been a lot of people there. They were celebrating at that point the Passover. We know that the Passover is when God delivered the children of Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt. You know, there are signs and there are warning signs. And I think we are pretty used to seeing certain signs or things that may point or something that may indicate a potential hazard. There might be something that we might consider an obstacle or something that may require special attention. When I was a kid, my mom would get these green stickers and she would put them on the the bottles of chemicals that she often stored underneath the sink. And that was a warning for us kids not to drink those chemicals. I don't think they do that anymore. I'm not sure if that really worked, but I do remember the sticker being on there. I Even as a young child, I think I was smart enough not to drink those, but that was a warning sign. You know, and in cars today, they're quite advanced. They have something called um, lane assistant, and this helps to keep your car from drifting out of your lane. And when you start to drift out of your lane, and some cars are a little bit different than others, one of our car, the, the steering wheel literally starts to vibrate. Another one of our, our cars, it, it literally 
as I sometimes try to pull, pull away not to hit somebody, it wants to pull me back into the person. Well, it's thinking that I'm veering out of the lane. This summer, we were coming back from Mount St. Helens, and as we were driving, the car, it, it, the dashboard lit up, and it told me to pull over and basically go to sleep or get some coffee because your driving is not very good. It must have felt that I was starting to veer around. I didn't even know that car had that option. So cars today are very advanced. There's lots of warning signs, and they are to protect us. But we need to heed to those warning signs. Luckily, I was almost home by that time, so I didn't stop. I kept driving. But probably I I was getting a little bit tired, and I thought to myself, how does this car know that I'm so tired? But, you know, we see here in, in Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 and 2, we see that Jesus and the disciples, they were leaving Jerusalem, and they were admiring the temple buildings. And Jesus had a response to them. He said to them, See you all these things, verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another, that shall not be thrown down. In so many aspects, he's saying, you're looking and you're seeing these buildings, they will completely be demolished and they will completely be destroyed. You know what? That happened. In 70 AD, that prophecy came true. The Roman Empire destroyed Jerusalem and the temple in 70 A.D. We know that, and even the Romans built what's called the Ark of Titus to commemorate the Jewish rebellion in Judah, and that is still in Rome today. You know, the Colosseum was started to be built that same year. And the Colosseum was basically built, or most of it was built, by Jewish slaves. Many of the Jews that were in the Jewish-Roman War, at the end of that, they were transported to Rome. It said there was an estimated that 60,000 to 100,000 were employed to work on that Colosseum. You know, life, things can change quite rapidly. You know, how we look at things today, tomorrow, it can change. You know, life has a way of just keeping us on our toes. Sometimes things change by the day. Sometimes things can change by the hour. Sometimes things even change by the second. You know, sometimes in life, we're up. And sometimes we're down, you know, and things just change. You know, uh, we know currently there is a the war going on there in Israel. We know they were attacked by Hamas. This happened on October 7th. 
where 14,000 people are believed to be killed and around over 200 hostages. But I remember going to bed that night, not even thinking that this terrorist attack would happen. One thing that I do every morning I, when I get up, I, I enjoy to read the news. I want to see what happened. And I remember getting up that morning and, and looking and seeing that. And I knew instantly the world is changing. I knew something big is happening. You know, the last time I experienced that was COVID. COVID, it was declared a pandemic on March 11th, 2020. I remember driving home or bringing Ezra back from a basketball practice. And I remember sitting there in the car and they said they were going to close the schools for a week just so they could slow down the virus. We know that that turned into many, many weeks. But life changed. You know, I mean, I remember not to be able to come to church. I never thought in my life that in America that churches would be closed. You know, life can change overnight. But I see here with the disciples, and it's sometimes hard to completely understand what was going through their mind, but I think if we use some, some other verses, we can kind of get a good idea maybe what was going through their mind here. We know that the disciples and also the people there in Jerusalem they were anticipating an earthly kingdom. They were, we see that when Jesus triumphantly entered into Jerusalem. We can read in chapter 12 that there was a large crowd. There were many visitors there in Jerusalem. They laid palm branches down on, on the road and they went to meet Jesus. And we read that it says, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. We see here that Jesus, he finds a donkey and he rode it, rode on it. And this was fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah 9, 9. I want to read that. It says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, the king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation lowly, and riding upon an ass, and upon the colt, the fowl of an ass. Verse 16, the disciples at that time, I don't feel they quite understood what was going on. They didn't even realize at that point that prophecy was being fulfilled. They didn't realize it till later. I believe at this point that the disciples believed and as they were looking at those temples, they believed that maybe one day that would be their kingdom. You know, we, we see that in Mark chapter 10. It says Jesus predicts his death to them. He also let the disciples know what will happen to him. He said, I will be betrayed. I will be sentenced to death. And during that process, he let the disciples know that I will be mar mocked. I will be spit upon. I will be whipped, but he also let him know after three days, I will rise again. But what I think is always so interesting about this 
And we see that John or James and John, they say the sons of Zebedee, they asked Jesus a favor. And their favor was, could one of them sit on the right side and the other one sit on the left side of God's glorious throne? You know, that just kind of tells me there they didn't really get it. Jesus just laid their heart out to them and their biggest concern was who was going to sit on the left side and who was going to sit on the right side. You know, I, I think at this point here, as they were admiring those temples, they believed that one day they might be sitting in that temple and they might have a position of authority. Why at times is prophecy so hard to understand? You know, sometimes before it happens, it can be quite challenging to understand. I remember as a kid, when they would talk about the, the mark of beast, the mark of the beast, and I'm only 46 years old, and at that time I still believed that it was going to be literally a tattoo, and it may still be a tattoo with 666. I think most of us now with technology believe it will be some sort of chip, but things change, times change, and sometimes our understanding can be different. But after something is fulfilled, it is quite easy at that point to understand. I often say when it comes to getting saved, it is hard to explain to somebody the peace they will feel. But after you get saved, then it all completely makes sense. Why can nobody agree on how things should turn out? We know that there is at times much debate on how different things should be fulfilled. You know, I don't believe that God wants us to completely to be able to understand everything. I enjoyed the, the sermon on Sunday when it was on the Trinity. Just like the Trinity, we're never going to completely understand it. We're never going to understand every single Bible prophecy. It's not always going to 100% make sense to us. But I think God just wants us to have the faith and to believe and to follow him and not focus on trying to figure out every little detail that God has already worked out. You know, you sometimes you will hear people say people have been predicting the rapture for decades. And that is a true statement. People have been predicting that the Lord will is coming. But, you know, I, I, I believe that the Lord and the things that we are seeing today, it is even closer today than ever. You know, there will be a day that there will be the final sermon preach. There will be a day that the final sermon on the Lord's coming, that will be the final one. You know, I, I believe today that we are just that much closer and more and more Bible prophecy is being fulfilled every day. You know, um, if you look at Bible prophecy, the first prediction in the Bible is found in Genesis 3.15. It says, I will put enmity between thee and thy woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is the seed of the woman, and when this is, this is referencing, will crush the serpent's head. You know, there's also the last Bible prophecy found in Revelation 22.20. He which testify these things saith, 
Surely come quickly. Amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. I'm thankful that the Lord is letting us know that he is coming soon. I'm thankful that that's something that we can anticipate. I'm thankful it's something we can be excited about. You know, there is a lot of predictions between the first prediction in the Bible and the last prediction in the Bible. But I truly believe that Jesus is coming soon and we do need to be ready. I think a a good example of being ready is the parable of the rich fool. Jesus tells a story here about a rich farmer. It says that this rich farmer had fertile ground and he had many crops. He had many, much money. He was a very, very, very successful farmer. But he only had one problem. The problem was he didn't know where to store all his success and where he was going to store all his wealth. And I like this because we see here in the word, I think I, I, I didn't write it down, but I think the word I in this parable is used six times. So it was all about him and only about him. And as he started to problem solve this and, and tried to figure this out, he only could come up with one solution. And that is that he had to tear down his old barns and he had to build a bigger barn to store all his wealth in all his success. And I'm, and God kind of responds to this and lets us know what God thought of this rich farmer. And he actually calls him a fool. And really you could kind of sub in there maybe foolish. You know, if we're not saved, we are foolish. The best thing we can do is to give our life to the Lord. That is wisdom. That is being wise. The opposite of that is being foolish. So God is saying he is foolish because he's only thinking about earthly possessions and he's not thinking about building a relationship with God. At that time, God also let that farmer know that that very night he will die and everything that he had stored in those barns. Now, who is going to own it now? You know, we want to make sure that we don't find ourselves so focused on the things of the world that we forget to make preparation for heaven. You know, there's one important thing. If you only I I often think this, if we only do one thing right in life and we're going to do many things right in life. But if there's one thing that we do right, and that is to make sure that we make heaven our home, you know, in life, there are times we will make mistakes, we'll. We'll mess a lot of things up, but there is one thing that we want to make sure, and that is our name is written there in that Lamb's Book of Life. We want to make sure that we make the preparation, we make the reservation, that our name will be there. Everything else on this world will pass away. You know, we don't read a single thing about this man of being unhealthy. You know, often when you're young, you always think you can put it off, and you can wait till later. You know what? This man, I believe, and he, I believe that he believed that he was going to live for many, many more years. And he was going to live off that wealth and that success. But God told him today, you will die. And you know what? We don't know what holds tomorrow. We are not promised tomorrow. That is why it's so important for us 
to be ready. You know, Lord, the Lord has also laid out a list here in chapter 24 of things that will come. You know, we need to be watchful. We need to be mindful. And we also need to heed to those warning signs. Um, one last little story here. A few years ago, when I mean, quite a few years ago now, Ezra was not very old. And I had bought some really, really good super glue. It wasn't just super glue. It was like some special glue to glue rubber together. It was the type of glue that if you got it on your hands and put your fingers together, it wasn't coming apart. And I remember bringing that glue home. And I, 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 I this is probably not being very wise. I remember telling the kids, don't touch that super glue. Because if you do and you use it, you're going to glue your fingers together. And I still remember, I set it there in the, in the cupboard and I closed it. And about 10 minutes later, Ezra already had that glue to- pulled out. He had a fidget spinner when they were really popular. It had broke. So he decided to use that glue to try to glue back his fidget spinner. You know what? It, it, luckily, he didn't glue his fingers together. He did get glue on his fingers, which in return, there was no way to wash it off. We just had to wait months, and it finally just kind of worn off. But he didn't heed to the warning. I told him, do not use that. And I think sometimes God is speaking to us that same way. God is telling us, don't go there. Don't do that. Stay close to me. And we don't always quite listen to that small Still, boys. Um, one last thing there in uh, chapter 24. It talks about the wars. It talks about rumors of wars. It talks about nation rise against nation. It talks about the famines. You know, I always like this one. It talks about earthquakes. But it doesn't just talk about earthquakes. It says earthquakes in diverse places. And this one, I always, that I, I you know, as Christians, it says we shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And it said, sin will be rampant. You know, I think we're seeing that today. Everything I read there, and there's many, many more things in chapter 24 and 25, but just those few there alone, I think that just shows us how close we are for the Lord's return. But I am thankful that there is verse 13, and it says, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. That is a promise for us today. If we endure, we stay close to the Lord, we shall be saved and we can make heaven our home. God bless you. Let's sing song 527.